Welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. How many, how many in high places, how many that are so popular and are recognized in Hollywood and and in rock and roll and in all those places are there because they gave their soul to the devil because the devil said, I'll give this to you if you'll follow me. And they gave their soul to the devil. Here's the thing. He may give them that, but he also gives them death. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Oh, he'll promise you everything. Who are you going to be loyal to? You're going to be loyal to Jesus? Or are you going to be loyal to the devil? You have to make that choice. And sometimes, isn't it weird? He tempts you when you seem to be at your weakest point, and he tempts you with the dumbest stuff. Am I the only one that's noticed that? Have you, have you ever been dumb enough to drink his little bit of Kool-Aid and then went, yuck, what in the world did I do? How stupid. Loretta, you and I, I guess we're the only ones in the room, but <laughs> I got a feeling we're not, though. <laughs> yeah. And then he's going he's gonna to check your faith and your trust in God. Do you really trust God? When adversity comes, and we all go through adversity. Remember, we talked about this last week, that, that, you know what, adversity is normal for Christian living. Defeat is what is abnormal. Adversity is normal Christian living. Defeat is what is abnormal. Okay? And you go through adversity, though, and you're going through adversity. He comes in and he goes, see, if you were really a child of God, you wouldn't be going through that. You can't trust God. Where's God now? Where's God now? How many have come to me when they have lost a child or they've lost a loved one and, and they prayed and cried and asked God and, and for some reason God took them to heaven instead of healing them. Of course, when they go to heaven, that's the perfect healing, right? I mean, that's total healing. But I, I think the most difficult thing any person goes through is the loss of a child. That's the toughest thing on marriages. And they come and they go, and they go, you know what? Why did God do this? Why? Why did God do this? And, and that, that's the enemy trying to get you to doubt your trust and your faith in Almighty God. And Almighty God wants you to know you can trust him. But see, we, we wrestle with these three. The same thing that the devil used to tempt Jesus is what he uses to tempt you. That is why the Apostle Paul said these words in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, and you probably know them well, but I'm going to read them to you again. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Because, folks, there's going to be times when your strength is going to run out. Ever been there? You go, oh, God, my strength tank right now is running on empty. And that's where his promise comes in. My grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness, my strength will be made complete. 
Praise God. Come on, get him a praise over that promise. Amen. Hallelujah. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How come? Wow. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, against the schemes and the plans and the strategies of the devil. But what did he say? He should put on the whole armor of God. Not just, not just one or two of the pieces of armor. You need it all. You got to have the belt of truth. You got to have the breastplate of righteousness. You got to have the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. You got to have the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. You got to have your mouth filled with praise and intercession in the spirit day and night. You got to have it all. You got to stand in it all. He says that having stand, you stand. Having done all to stand, you stand. Now, why did he say it that way? Having done all to stand, stand. Why did he say it that way? Well, can I ask you a question? Has there ever been a time when you went, I am not giving up. I am standing. And you've stood, and there's attack, 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 waves of adversity, waves of adversity, waves of adversity. And you go, God, I said I would stand, but I'm wearing out. I don't... My grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, my strength will be made complete. Come on, child of God. Stand. Come on, stand. Come on, stand. Pastor Dean, I'm about down to my knees. Stand. Pastor Dean, I don't... Stand. I can't... Stand. I don't... I, stand. Come on, say it with me. Stand. I'm going to... Stand. I'm going to stand. Amen. 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 I'm not quitting. We're in a time of tremendous attack right now. I'm not just talking about LFC. Christianity is under, around the world under tremendous attack. But let's talk about LFC. We're under attack. We've got multiple of our families that are under serious attack right now. They've made their appeal, and it's not looking like. Have you noticed that it doesn't matter what the law says anymore? They're just going to do what they're going to do. What do you do in that? Say it with me. Stand. We've heard that again. Stand. That's what you do. That's what you do. We talked last week about the belt of truth, the significance of putting on the belt of truth. If you didn't get to hear that message, let me urge you to go on to our either our Facebook site or our, we, our, our website at, at winnacity.com and listen to the message from last week about the belt of truth. It's so important. But today we're going to talk about, now you've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Why are we talking about the breastplate of righteousness? Why is that so important? Well, because there's, there's actually two sets of armor that, that Scripture talks about 
and we got to look at the two different sets of armor. Many people aren't aware that the scripture talks about two sets of armor. Have you, did, were we able to get that picture of those two sets of armor? Could you put them up for me? Are they behind me? Good. There we go. On, uh, well, they're not on that one back there, you see. I didn't know to look behind me. I got to remember. This one right here, this is the armor of the priesthood, and it talks about it in Isaiah chapter 59 in verses 15 to 19 when it's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and, and his high priestly role and what he does. But listen to what it says. The garments of a priest, the intercessor wears the garments of the priest. The Lord Jesus Christ was both king of kings and lord of lords, but he's also our high priest. And when it talks about him, and this is what the priest wore, this was his armor, and this was his breastplate. We're going to see it closer in just a moment. But then, in the, in, this, is what, this is what the intercessors and the worshipers wear. This is what you wear when you come on Sunday morning and you are worshiping like we have been worshiping this morning. You have got on your priestly garment. Why? Because we are called to be kings and priests unto our God. It says in Revelation chapter 1 that when we are redeemed, we are made kings and priests unto our God. And so we wear that priestly garment. We put on the armor of the priesthood. We put on that armor and we worship and we bring our worship to him. But we also put this armor on as intercessors when we're praying for our family members, when we're praying for our co-workers, when we're praying for our neighbors, when we know there are areas in our community that the powers of darkness are setting up strongholds and we say, not on my watch. I'm going to pray this. I'm going to cry out. And as an intercessor, you stand between your community and the throne of Almighty God interceding and you're putting on your priestly armor to stand before Almighty God. But then we're also called to be warriors. And so the Apostle Paul in chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians, he talks about the armor of a Roman soldier. Why? Because it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, though we live in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare... The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now we're in war against the kingdom of darkness, against the devil and all of the, the demons of hell. And in that battle, we wear the armor of Almighty God that's talked about in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're talking about. So we can do warfare against the powers of darkness as Jesus said. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And how often I have heard preachers talk about, now you know the promise, the gates of hell can't prevail, so hang in there, saints. Wait a minute. That is not a defensive statement by Jesus. Have you ever been attacked by a gate? <laughs> come on, farmers and ranchers. You ever come up to a gate and had it swing out and just smack you and attack you? Yeah. Or have you had a few gates that you've wrestled with that you've had to wrestle with to try and get open, right, to get in? Yeah, yeah, okay. That kind of attack, yeah. Well, who's on the offense there? 
You are. And it's the same way he's talking about the church. The church comes against the walls and the strongholds of the powers of darkness, and we attack the gates of hell, and we crush them because we're wearing the armor of Almighty God. Amen? Mm -mm. But you know what the enemy tries to do? He tries to paralyze the army of God with fear. With fear. He has used that weapon down through the ages. Fear to intimidate. Fear to paralyze. Fear to dominate. And man, he's using that weapon right now. Oh, man. You see, when he can get you paralyzed, he can control you. When he, when he can get you to begin living in a spirit of fear, you will begin doubting God's promises, and he can manipulate you because you're doubting God's promises. Now he can manipulate you and move you where he wants you. Remember the story of Goliath, that nine-foot, six-inch giant? Actually, he was kind of the runt of the family. But he was a warrior. He was a warrior. And he would come out, and the Scripture says he would come out, and he would yell at the army, defying the armies of Israel. But there was, this, there was this teenager, a redhead, that was the runt of the family and not even accepted by his parents or by his brothers. He was out keeping sheep. When the time came for God to anoint a new king and the prophet came to the family, the dad didn't even invite him to the dinner because he didn't think God will never choose him. I mean, who would choose David. That red-headed kid out there, who's going to choose him? Let me tell you who would choose him. Almighty God would choose him. And when David came and he saw how the armies of Israel were being dominated and intimidated by that Philistine, he looked at them and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is he to be doing this? And when he went out to challenge him, he said, look, you have defied not the armies of Israel. You have defied the armies of God. Amen. And I'm coming to you. You come to me with a sword and a shield and a spear. But I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds. Yeah. Come on. Fear was not going to intimidate him. Why? Because David knew God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Living Faith Church family, let me tell you this morning, this is time to rise up in the spirit of the Lord. Do not let fear intimidate you. Rise up in the spirit of the Lord. When the devil came and attacked Jesus with those three attacks, how Jesus came, he came filled with the Holy Spirit, 
led by the Holy Spirit. It says he was filled with the Holy Spirit when he was baptized in water. But then it said the Spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness. He was being led by the Spirit of the Lord. And then he used the Word of God against the devil. And that is exactly what you and I need to be doing today. We have got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to be led by the Spirit of Almighty God. And then we've got to use the Word of God to stand against the spirit of fear that is working in this generation right now. How do you do that? Let me give you three ways to stand against the fear of the enemy. The first is found in, would you turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter 1? If you've got your scriptures, I don't have these up on the board. Joshua chapter 1, we're going to read verse 9. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. I'm going to have you holler amen when you get there. Amen. You're there. All right. Listen to what it says. Have I not commanded you? Say this with me. Be strong and of good courage. Say it again. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now look right here. God knew Joshua was about to lead a million and a half people across the River Jordan. But he knew the hearts of those people. There were going to be times when they would be stubborn there would be times that they wouldn't want to obey. There would be times when they would resist him. He also knew when they got into the land, there were going to be giants there. Some of the giants that they had already faced were 14 feet tall. They were going to face giants. It was not going to be easy. He knew they were going to be dealing with fear, intimidation, domination. He understood what Joshua was going to be facing. And so what he was doing, he was encouraging Joshua's heart. Come on, Joshua. Have I not commanded you? He's reminding him, look, you've got my word. Look at verse 8. See, God had already told Joshua, put on the belt of truth. He said, do not let my word depart from your mouth. Give yourself wholly unto it. Meditate on it day and night. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Come on, Joshua, put on the belt of truth. And now he's telling him, come on, come on, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Walk in obedience to my command. I've commanded you. Come on. Come on, take my word, trust my word, believe my word. I've commanded you. You can trust me. Amen? Amen. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Why not? Well, look at what he'd already said to him. He said in uh, verse 9, he said, be strong and of good courage. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Dear one, listen. 
You can't handle this on your own. You have got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got to walk in the strength and might of Almighty God. But here's the next thing he said when he's talking about don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. God is with you. Would you say that with me? God is with me. Come on. God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. Wherever you go, wherever you go, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with right now, God is with you. In my many years of abuse counseling, this is, this, is the, this is the final stronghold that has to be broken in the heart of that victim for them to get totally free. Because from the very beginning, the enemy has built in their heart, you know, God wouldn't do this to you if you were living right. God must not like you or he wouldn't have let this happen to you. The enemy from the very beginning starts building in them the doubt that God was with them, that God had abandoned them, that God had forsaken them. And that is deep, deep, deep in their heart. But when I lead them to see where Jesus was when they were experiencing that and they see that God was standing there with them, it's like a freedom comes into their heart and a liberty comes and a freedom comes and because now they know oh god but see that's his promise isn't it that's his promise that's his promise i will never leave you nor forsake you that's his promise in romans chapter 8 verses 37 to 39 where he says that what can separate us he says, neither life, nor death, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things above, nor things beneath the earth. Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Amen? Amen. See, nothing. God is with you. Because God is with you, you can do this. You can handle this. You don't need to be afraid. God is with you. Here's the next thing. Go with me, would you please, to Luke chapter 1, verse 13. The Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verse 13. This is really an interesting one because this in the New Testament is um, right as John the Baptist is being prophesied. He's, you got Zacharias and his wife, that Elizabeth, that has never had children. They are way past the age of being able to have children. And Zacharias gets his once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to, to burn incense on the golden altar in the holy place. And so he goes in to do that, and as he does, Gabriel is there. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen an angel or not, but the angels I've seen are huge. And <laughs> this would be a little intimidating and as, as, as Gabriel starts talking, he says, hey, Zach, you're going to have a boy. And Zach goes, 
Say what? That's the Dean Hackett version of Luke chapter 1, verse 13. And look, look at what the angel says to him. Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. I'm not asking for an open response, but I want to ask you, how many of you, you have stopped praying because the enemy has convinced you God's not hearing? Or you've been praying for something for forever, it feels like, and you don't have the answer yet. I know what that's like. For 25 years, Wanda and I prayed for Dad Boskett, her papa. He was an agnostic. And I'd shared the gospel with him more than once, and he'd let me know, don't talk to me about it again. I said, I won't. I just loved him. 25 years of praying for him and nothing happening, it seemed like. One day, Wanda in tears looked at me and said, should we go on praying? Is, is daddy ever going to get saved? What, what if God hasn't chosen him to be saved? I stopped her right there. I said, wait a minute, babe. You're doubting scripture. The Bible itself says God's not willing that any should perish. God has not appointed anyone to not be saved. That's a lie of the enemy. We're going to renounce that lie right now. We're going to believe God. And we just, we just continued praying. We continued praying and believing. In the hospital, literally within hours of leaving this earth, the pastor of her mom's home church, and her mom had stopped going to church. A lot of reasons why she came back to the Lord. It was so wonderful. She loved Jesus with all her heart. But at that point, she had stopped going to church. But the pastor and the church family hadn't given up on them. They kept praying for them and kept reaching out to them. Church, that's why it's important that we keep loving people and reaching out to them. Come on. Amen. They, keep reaching, they kept reaching out to them, kept loving on them. And uh, Pastor Warren Key came to the hospital and He's standing on one side of the bed with Al. I'm on the other side. And I'm praying. And Pastor Warren, he looks at Dad and he says, do you want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior? And Dad said, yes. And he prayed and asked Jesus into his heart. Tears came to his eyes. Two hours later, he met Jesus in the sky. Don't quit praying. Here's assurance that we have. 
God hears our prayers. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Listen to this promise in 1 John chapter 5. He said, if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have the petitions we ask of him. Come on, dear ones. That's our assurance. We don't need to fear. God is with us, and God is answering our prayers. Come on. Amen. Here's the third one. Nudge your neighbor and said this third one gets really good. Come on. In love, there is no fear because perfect love casts out all fear. See, when you love, you don't fear. Can I share a personal story with you? I think the greatest thing that Wanda ever did for me was love me. Having grown up believing I was a throwaway human being and believing that I was an unlovable human being, it was the scariest thing I think I ever did in my life was I married my dream. I mean, I, I married the most beautiful woman on planet Earth, and she loved me. And as I, it began to dawn on me, she really loved me. She really loved me. I could let go of the fear that had tormented me all my life that I would not be accepted and I would be abandoned. And I could trust her. I could really trust her with my heart. And she was the first person in my life I ever told my dream to. See, love crushes fear to the ground because you can trust. Because you can trust. And when it's God's love, his perfect love, see, Scripture tells us we can love him because he first loved us. See, that's what makes Christianity and, and the gospel different from all other religions on planet Earth. All other religions are trying to earn God and earn his love and earn his acceptance. But in Christianity, through the Lord Jesus Christ, because he came to Earth to redeem us and to give us his love, God first loved us. He first loved us. So now we can just love him back because he first loved us. And that drives out fear. Fear just, well, well but, but, but Dean, what I did, he loves you. But Dean, what I did, no, no, remember, nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
But Dean, I know nothing can separate us. From, but I, nothing, but nothing can separate us from the love of God. See, even when you choose to walk away, he chooses to love you. Even when you choose to walk away, he chooses to love you. And he chooses to keep drawing at you, drawing at you, drawing at you, hoping that you will turn back to him. So that's why the old bumper sticker, I don't know if you remember the old bumper stickers they used to have, I found Jesus. No, you didn't. Here's what happened. You got so sick of what you were doing, you turned around and bumped into Jesus. He had been there all along because he first loved you. He first loved you. I don't know what it was like for you, but he had to dig down into a horrible, ucky pit to get to me. My brother and I were talking about this on Friday. I had to be in, meet a pastor planting a church in Chewila, Washington. And so on my day off, I stopped and saw my brother in Spokane. And we were talking about this, that our family was so dysfunctional and such a mess. How in the world did two guys coming from that meet Jesus and get called into ministry? Because God first loved us, and he loved us so much, he was willing to climb down into that ugly, awful, filthy pit where we lived and drag us out of that pit and wash us in his own blood and cleanse us white as snow and adopt us into his family as his sons and then sit us with Christ in heavenly places and declare us to be just as if we had never sinned and declare us to be the righteousness of almighty God and declare us to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ of the kingdom of God and then make us kings and priests to him and clothe us in the royal robes of righteousness. And dear ones, he did that because he first loved us. And he did that for you too. Come on, give him praise. Would you stand with me, please? So we're facing an overreach. We're facing a spirit of fear and intimidation. We're facing a diminishing of our liberties and freedoms. We're facing stuff that we never dreamed we'd face. How do you do that? Well, you can let the spirit of fear control your choices.
or you can let the assurance that God is with you and his strength will strengthen you. When you're weak, he will strengthen you. You can let the assurance that he's hearing and answering your prayers and you can let the assurance of his unfailing love drive out that spirit of fear. Because when you let that spirit of fear be driven out, then you can make decisions from a sound mind. Then you can stand in his power. For we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You see, it's when you're making decisions motivated by fear. It's when you're making decisions motivated by intimidation. It's when you're making decisions that's motivated out of insecurity and worry and frustration that you start making mistakes. But when you're standing in the assurance of God's love, God's presence, God's strength, and he's answering my prayers, and you're standing there in that strength, that gives you the ability to stand in his love and in his power and might and to make quality decisions based upon God's truth and God's word. Amen? Amen. And you win. And you win every time. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com. 